Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, everyone, and welcome to your Heart and Hand flagship show. I'm Cammie Bell. And this week, I was able to get some time with James Bisgrove, the commercial and marketing director at Rangers. James was able to speak to me about a number of things which have been happening with the club, not just the recent deal regarding Castor and upcoming kit launches, but also some redevelopment plans which are happening in and around the stadium in preparation for the 150th anniversary of the club. I uh, hope you really enjoy listening to this as I spoke to James about a number of different aspects of what's going on at the moment, uh, any potential impact due to obviously the coronavirus situation um, and what's coming up on the radar in both short and long term. Hope you really enjoy it and thanks so much for listening. Speak soon. Bye-bye. Hi everyone, so as I said at the top of the introduction uh, to today's show, uh, I am joined by James Bisgrove, our Commercial and Marketing Director at Rangers. James, how are you on this Monday morning? Cammy, good morning, I'm very well and uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, no, listen, thank you for, for coming on. Um, I, I spoke to you uh, in terms of being able to try and arrange a chat just to get probably, I say a little update, but it's probably going to be a massive update with all of the things which are happening at the club at the moment. And we've seen uh, a lot of that coming out recently in terms of, um, you know, various updates regarding um, our uh, kit deals in terms of obviously new media uh, partners, etc. changes to the, the, the stadium and Edmondson House. So we'll come into that in a bit more detail. One of the things I wanted to kind of ask about, James, if I may, just before we kind of kick off is, um, obviously, a lot of our listeners will know uh, that you've come in, you've you've absolutely done some brilliant work so far, but uh, only a year in the door, it must just have flown by, given the amount of, of, of different projects that you've been picking up. It has. No, it has, but it's been a, it's been a fantastic year. Look, for me, coming from the last six years where, where I spent my time in, in Switzerland with, with, with UEFA working on the Champions League and, and Europa League, it was... The, the, the perfect moment I felt for for the next challenge and the Rangers as 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 a club in terms of that potential and the, the fan base and that 
I think opportunity to make a difference was something that was was really compelling. So you're right, it's it's a year in. Um, I got a, a notification on LinkedIn, I think, at the weekend, which which reminded me, and I think you know the, the year's flown by, but I'm I'm really encouraged with some of the progress that we've made. Uh, there's still a long, long way to go, but in terms of some of our commercial activities, some of the partners that we uh, that we've managed to bring on board, and some of the others in the pipeline that, that I'll hopefully be able to articulate, but wider than that as well some of our marketing activities and particularly around the digital space which really is a is a work in progress but we've we've got some high aspirations there in terms of our digital strategy and and what we'd like to achieve in uh in in, in the coming months so no it's been good it's been good i was fortunate because i've come into a, a a department and a team with some with some really talented and some really committed people um so that that that's that's been fantastic and joined a board that's been very supportive as well from the likes of Douglas Park and John Bennett, and of course working hand in hand with Stuart and Ross Wilson and, and Andrew and James Blair there as well at the executive board level. So no, it's been a it's been a great year. The last two three months obviously has been uh, challenging and, and and something that we've had to navigate. But uh, I think we've we've navigated it fairly well to be honest, not notwithstanding some of those issues. So uh, no, excited to to share some more information, Cami, on 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 some of the things to look forward to uh, hopefully in the not too distant future. Ah, oh, brilliant. Was that, I suppose, what I'm, I'm really interested in as well, James, obviously you mentioned, you know, you're leaving a, the role at UEFA, you know, head of sponsorship partner. I mean, dealing with a, you know, a budget of three billion and more coming into Rangers, probably getting, I would imagine, some idea of, of the kind of level of the job and, and, and where probably our level of branding was at that point. How's the how's the reality match the expectation in terms of how big a task that was coming in? Yeah, I, th- I think that's a fair question. I think I came into the role with my eyes wide open, but I came in with a huge degree of excitement because, you know, it's easy to say, but genuinely Rangers, Rangers Football Club is a global brand. It's, uh, it's an institution in itself, and it's one that, I believe when we get all the components working together in terms of those off the field aspects, I think we can elevate the club to probably what I would call that tier one of European club. Uh, and I think, you know, we all, we all want that to correlate to success on the pitch. And that's absolutely my objective. It's coming in growing revenues to contribute to, you know, what Ross and Steve are going to do on the pitch, but also to engage our existing fan base, but attract new fans. There's a, there's a, there's a huge part of, what we're calling our international strategy that I think is really important to get us into that, into that playing field of a, of a, of a tier, tier one club. So the environments were different in, in some degrees that the, the budgets were different and, and some of the, some of the landscapes different, but actually the opportunity to make a difference and the potential uh, to take this club uh, where, where I think we all want it to be in terms of the off the park activities is, is, uh, is, is really, really apparent. Well, one of the off-the-park activities, which obviously has been right at the forefront of things recently, is obviously the Castor deal. Um, and we were lucky enough on uh, on Heart and Hand to be able to, to speak to, to Tom from uh, Castor. And I think he really went through a lot of kind of detail in terms of obviously the deal that had happened with Rangers. Obviously, we were looking to be able to try and recruit a new, a new kit partner. Um, as we are talking today, uh, obviously, the club have just announced uh, a sneak peek if you will, of some of the Castor training gear, which obviously the manager and the players will be coming back into, uh, you know, across the course of this week. Um, in terms of the Castor deal, how, how did you find, obviously, working with the guys? I mean, when you listen to Tom being taught, you can understand the appetite is huge, certainly from their end. Was that something that you were really looking for in a kind of kit partner and, and, and how to be able to try and grow that relationship? 
Yeah, absolutely. So there's obviously a few components to this. So, you know, the, candidly speaking, the, the opportunity for us to move into this new era, as we're calling it, and step away from some of those legacy relationships, which, if we're very honest, have held us back and have held us back quite considerably, meant that we needed to find a partner and construct a commercial arrangement that was going to take us away from those relationships. And, you know, thankfully, that was something we we're able to do. So we've got that opportunity now, that clean slate to to really take the the, the commercial part of the, the retail and the merchandise, the kit apparel deal to, to the next level. But um, I think when we spoke to a number of brands, which we did, I think I think I said said before in an interview that we were fortunate to have a really competitive process. There were uh, in a short space of time, a lot of the, the more established brands were, were knocking on the door. They were all interested, but Castle really stood out for us. And it wasn't just the, the commercial offer. It was, I think, the synergy that we saw in the way that they plug directly into some of those objectives we've got. So when we talk about growing revenues, fan engagement with our existing supporters, attracting new fans, being digital first, uh, an international strategy, the fact that they were a British brand, very premium in their approach uh, and the quality of the products talks to that. So for us, when we went through the process and we came out the other end, um, you know, f for me, there was clearly only one partner that I felt was able to synchronize with where we wanted to take the club. And I was delighted that, you know, that was a that was a feeling that was shared across across the board at the club. And we were able to to put it in a position where it's now all the all the exciting aspects where we're kind of counting down to the to the kit launch and as you as you say the the, the squad and Stephen and the coaches will be wearing some of the training wear as of uh, as of this morning actually yeah absolutely and i think uh, as i say we saw a bit of a sneak peek of that that's coming in um i've got to ask the question because i know i'll be chastised if i don't are we anywhere near a date for a kit launch we are we're, we're getting close <laughs> can we look so maybe just to set into context what what we wanted to do was obviously sh sh showcase some of that training wear yesterday the players will be wearing it as of this morning that's the kind of the grey orange training wear and, and, and the black coaches wear as well. There's going to be a navy blue range that will complement that. That will probably come later this week, if not next week. Uh, I think the feedback from the players who picked it up over the weekend was really, really positive. I think some of them were kind of commenting that the quality was was really outstanding. Um, and and in terms of the kit launch, to do a proper kit launch in the way that we and Castor have spoken about so that it's at the highest level and from a marketing perspective, we need the players. <laughs> uh, the players are back as of this morning. So we're now in a position where in the next days and weeks, we can plan activity to ensure that the players are an integral part of that, of that kit launch. So in terms of a timeline, we're probably still a few weeks away, but I think by the time we're in early July, we'll have everything revealed in terms of those, the, the, those different strips and uh, more information in terms of how supporters will be able to to order those as well. And we've been we've been really encouraged uh, by the reaction, by the positivity, I think, from supporters to get their hands on the Castor product, which is which is fantastic. We just, I think, respectfully ask for a little bit more patience. We're, we're nearly there. Obviously, we've got to navigate as well the prior contracts before we can fully open the doors on that. But we uh, we're getting very close. OK, great. Because no, as you say, Obviously, the appetite is, is is absolutely enormous, and I think one of the things that that has came across when again we were talking to Tom was he probably didn't expect questions to kind of be put to him in terms of, you know, do you understand from a supply chain perspective this this will be monumental, it will be absolutely huge, and and obviously as the kind of time goes on, the appetite starts to grow. Was that something that you you had you'd said to to Tom in terms of? 
just getting a real understanding that you know no matter how big you think this is going to be it's going to be bigger <laughs> yeah we, we we had to um and that that was part of how we how we took this to the market and the the historical sales figures speak for themselves and we were able to articulate those in terms of the hundreds of thousands of, of strips that have been sold in the in, you know in the 90s and the early 2000s and that that talks to the fan base that this football club has and also the, the potential so I think both Tom and Phil Bion were acutely aware and they certainly are now more than ever having seen that reaction in terms of what that appetite will be once we do uh, once we do press press go on this and you know we've been working with them every single day to make sure that their supply chain to make sure that from a manufacturer point of view uh, and a distribution point of view that we are going to be a long way away from some of those challenges we've had in the past where some of the supplies of different sizes and some of the more popular kits are not just there so um, I'm, the guys are keeping me fully up to date. I'm aware of some of the numbers that are on the way into the UK and they're in um, they're in six figures in terms of the units. So um, I really think that uh, despite that uh, insatiable appetite that, that we've got around the Castor Rangers kit, which is fantastic to see that we won't have people left empty handed and, and disappointed. That's not to say we're going to be complacent at all on that there's still a lot of work and planning to do but uh it's something that that castor are are, are very aware of and uh, obviously we're we're making sure that they uh they are i take it wasn't a fear when you were obviously talking about going with a with a supplier such as castor rather than as you said obviously there was big brand manufacturers that are probably slightly more wholesale and slightly more wider and and broader to market in terms of what they could come across yeah i'm assuming that you had said to the guys, you know, there is obviously going to be that point. That wasn't any concern to you at that stage when, when going ahead with the deal? Well, look, I, I'd say concern isn't the right word, but we, we certainly did our diligence to the level that you you, you might not expect if, if it was a, a more established brand. So we, we were painted a very convincing case by by Castor in terms of their supply chain. You know, that, that it's been well documented that they're their factory infrastructure is mostly in, in Europe. A lot of the Rangers products are going to be produced out, out of Portugal. And, you know, th- this, this is not a, a, a startup with the guys with some massive backing with, with, a, with a big idea. You know, they're already operating in 64 countries globally. Um, so they've, they've got an international strategy and a distribution that's probably, you know, ahead of a lot of other brands that are in and around that sphere. So we're actually quite fortunate that we can plug into that supply chain already. Uh, and particularly from a digital perspective and an, an online distribution and a fulfillment perspective, uh, these guys have built kind of best in class platforms in recent years that I think allows them to be very agile in that sense. So um, it, it was certainly a question that we was 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 raised in, in a, a board level because, you know, all of the board wanted to ensure that whichever direction we turn next, it was with a, with a partner that could fulfill the, the the demand. But I think the case that Castor were able to to present and to illustrate to us was was very convincing and 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 that's proved to be the case in the in the last few weeks as well. And that that existing as you say that existing digital platform obviously a huge attraction element for you in terms of you could understand exactly that the the partner was going to be in the same kind of level that we were looking to be able to try and operate on. Yeah, and and I think from a digital perspective we wanted to align ourselves with a partner that would help us move forward as well um, and you know our digital transformation strategy I, I touched on there a little bit at the introduction but it's a core pillar of what we are focusing on and where we're investing in the next 6, 12, 18 months uh, there will be a new Rangers website going live in July so um, Robert Boyle our head of digital and David Melvin who heads up the 
the broadcast and technology arm of, of the club. So Rangers TV, they're working tirelessly at the moment with Stadion, who are uh, really a best-in-class web developer. They've built the websites and the apps and the digital infrastructure of Manchester City and PSG. So we'll be switching across in July and the, the timing's perfect actually because it allows us to synchronize with Castor at the same time in terms of the launch of the online store. Uh, and it feeds well into our data and CRM strategy. So uh, I'm, I'm quite confident that supporters will see a, uh, a bit of a step change in the way that the club engages digitally. I think we are fantastic when it comes to content and our social media figures and the level of engagement we get speak to that. But our digital platforms needed that investment. And that was a key part of where the board wanted to support some of the strategy of our department. So, um, yeah, there's, uh, as I said, some nice upgrades that are just a few weeks away on the digital front now. No, oh, brilliant. Um, one of the things that's obviously, um, as Stuart had uh, spoken about in a, in a, a recent press release, obviously, was uh, the ongoing development plans for in and around the stadium. Um, and I know that you've obviously spoken at length regarding that as well. So I just wanted to kind of pick your brain, if I could, in terms of probably getting a, a clearer understanding as to how those uh, plans are developing. Obviously, um, everything's been a bit chaotic in the last few months, uh, obviously with the coronavirus. Um, and I just wanted to kind of to, to um, ask you a bit more around that. We'd obviously heard a lot around the development of Edmondson House. We've we've seen mm -hmm. some some graphics in terms of obviously what's coming out for the development plans. Um, the aim being that there will be a complete overhaul uh, and um, a, a number of different facets within obviously where that building stands at the moment. Uh, in terms of the museum, we're talking about conferencing suites. Uh, yeah. I understand some uh, event hosting as well as a result yeah. of that. Um, yeah. how, how's that all coming to plan? Yeah, and that, that's something else that's really exciting because it links directly to the 150th year of the club and that anniversary and everything that we want to do to commemorate that milestone. I think um, some of the there's some infrastructure investment that's kind of uh, shorter term, and, and I think because of the the lockdown, we've had to push some of that back. But we we've unveiled some upgrades to our hospitality lounges, the, the Blue Sky Lounge that will will sit in the uh, the fourth floor of the Sandy Jardine stand with that kind of panoramic glass view, I think as a hospitality experience will be different class. The same for the, the Club 72 upgrade to Bar 72 as well. But we're also looking at the match day experience for all supporters at, at Ibrox. And there's investment that is being planned with our catering partner and things like the, the match day kiosks and the, and the tea bars to improve that experience, to add screens there, to look at the, the match day offering from a, from a menu perspective. One of the other important projects that we are pushing ahead at pace is Wi-Fi uh, and the, the the connectivity at match day on ma on a match day at Ibrox is is, is is terrible. We all know that we you know we can't even communicate with, with with each other in some areas of the stadium. So that's an absolute priority. We're very close to an agreement now with a supplier and a partner that will allow us to transform the stadium bowl of Ibrox into a connected stadia. So that's something that we hope to have in place for the for the start of next season, certainly when we've got um, the stadium full of uh, supporters. So, so, so there's a lot happening in the short term, but but you're right, Cammy, Edmiston House is really that centrepiece for the 150th year. And yeah, I think if you actually take a step back from Rangers and you look at that as a project, it's got to be one of the most exciting projects in, in European football. And our, and our aim there is to create a, a destination really for supporters seven days a week, also a destination for, for Glasgow in terms of what we can do around conferences and events. And as Stuart Robertson said, uh, I think in his interview last week or the week before last, that for us is an opportunity to turn a derelict building 
let's be honest, a little bit of an eyesore at the moment in and around the iBox footprint into a revenue generating asset. And within that are a number of pillars. And, you know, we presented a plan to the board that uh, projected a seven figure profit per year of that building. So there's there's a lot of plans that need to fall into place to get to that. And uh, I think the club museum is certainly one of the more uh, exciting projects for 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 all of us to to put in place. And again, this is one that Robert Boyle and Joe Morrison within the team are working on to make sure that we've got uh, an interactive museum space that complements our stadium tour. It complements the trophy room in the main stand. We've we've started to look at the the Hearts Museum and and the Hamden, Muse- Hamden Museum with the SFA as well, just to get a feeling for you know the approach. But we've also looked further afield at you know museums such as the one they've got in the Santiago Bernabeu and and the Camp Nou in Barcelona. So that as an attraction for supporters, but also tourists. Uh, we, th- we think will provide something really engaging, but also uh, an additional revenue stream for the club. Edmiston House will also have this kind of multifunctional, multifaceted space on the ground floor. I think you might have seen it from some of the, the drawings that we released that that can serve as a, a fan zone on match days. And I think, you know, we're looking at a capacity there of between 1,500 and 2,000 supporters that could use that indoor outdoor space to have food and beverage, to have giant screens, to have entertainment and to really increase the dwell time at Ibrox so that, you know, if it's a three o'clock kickoff that, you you know, you've got a reason to come at midday and, and, and meet, meet friends, meet family, uh, ha- have a drink, watch the lunchtime kickoff. Uh, but also when, when Rangers are not playing at Ibrox for, for away games, you know, when we're playing away at, uh, I don't know, AC Milan in, in the Champions League in the future and San Siro, we can actually create a a proper fan park experience at Edmiston House, which would just be, will be, will be fantastic. And I, and I think we're also looking outside of our, I suppose, core football world. And that, that's a really interesting area for us to kind of dip our toes into. So we've had conversations in the music sphere with some of the, the major promoters in Scotland and in, in the UK. And we believe that as a music venue, we've got a, a space there that can host 1300 people, attract a high caliber of artists, um, compete with other venues in Glasgow like the SWG3, the fruit market. And, you know, we, we think there's a, there's an opportunity there to have about 60 concerts a year, put in some comedy nights. And again, just, just create a genuine destination within, uh, within Glasgow. And you touched on Cami, sorry, just to, just, just to finish up some of the other elements, because it's, it's really a space that's got a lot of opportunity. It's the conferences and, and the functions. And we had a look at that market in Glasgow and last year there was, I think, 540 conferences. So, uh, and about 160,000 delegates came to the city, 150 million pounds was spent and the football club didn't even get a, uh, any slice of that. So this will give us an opportunity to tap into that market. And then you look at our own club events, the player of the year, the different club nights, the burn sup, all of those, all of those opportunities then to host that at our home at Ibrox it, it makes it a really exciting space for supporters. It's, again, something that sits as the potential jewel in the crown for the 150th year uh, because all, all going to plan and there's still uh, a long road to go. We'll have this opened uh, by March 2022, which is the 150th birthday month. So we'll continue to update, to engage with supporters. We want to get some uh, some input and do some supporter consultation as we, as we shape this now. But as I said, to, to be able to drive this project forward now uh, alongside everything else we're doing in terms of modernizing our infrastructure is uh, is really really exciting listen i think i mean it sounds absolutely brilliant in terms of obviously what's happened one of the things i think that's always 
born a bit of frustration for myself is our fantastic links to Glasgow Airport and the accessibility that the stadium has to be able to to host, as you say, various different uh, events, you know, conferences, as you say, and we've got virtually an well an international doorstep, right? Uh, international airport right in our doorstep. Yep. So it's great to hear that obviously we're thinking probably of the six days a week that the stadium wouldn't have footfall and, and you know, purposeful uh, attraction to it being used in a different way. I think it sounds absolutely fantastic. One of the things I just wanted to pick up uh, on there as well, James, was obviously you'd mentioned in terms of um, the, the museum aspect of it. I, I have been an advocate for a Rangers museum for pretty much all of my life because I think when you see a club so steeped in, in history and a, and, a, and a global brand such as Rangers, and as a visitor, you couldn't come to the stadium to really have much more than the tour within a trophy room, which we have to rotate trophies round in order for people to be able to try and see them all. That's how successful a club we are. The museum must yep. be a really difficult project because really what you're trying to do is mix that, that cultural heritage, that history, um, all of that fabric into uh, a really new virtual experience, which I know has been um, very popular in terms of a lot of museums. You mentioned, obviously, Real Madrid, Barcelona, uh, quite a few yeah. of these that I've done personally. And uh, in preparation for speaking to you today, I'd, I'd put out a little bit of a thing in social media to say, you know, what did you enjoy about those tours and, and what did you like? And it was an overwhelming response, again, coming back to Madrid and Barcelona, was that there was a mix of history plus almost a certain extent where we are now and the future if that makes sense yeah um must be really difficult to put all of those things together it's difficult but i think i think you hit the nail on the head Cameron. we're so fortunate as a club in terms of the story that we've got to tell across the 150 years and the amount of success we've had and the number of uh, artifacts and the number of mementos that will uh, you know recognize that history so we've We've undertaken, I think about 18 months ago, we, we had someone come into the business, uh, Joe Morrison, who's uh, kind of an archiver, if you like. So he's going through all of those uh, different pieces of our history uh, and making sure that, you know, we, we've got that inventory. We know everything that's in the trophy room, why it's there and what and what the the story that we want to tell in the museum looks like. So I think it's it, it would be a really good idea. You could invite Robert and Joe to come on and do a podcast because there's, there's so much there to to tell in terms of what what we want to do but again it's another such an important project from a supporter perspective we want that input and we want supporters to, to shape it but the initial plans kind of go along the lines that you suggested whereas we tell the story of our history but we use modern technology and we're interactive and we use audio visuals to to bring it to life and in, in a way that creates a really immersive experience um, and, and I think finding that balance between the trophy room and the items that are part of the, the heritage of the trophy room versus what comes across to the museum. It is a bit of a balancing act. And, you know, there are maybe certain items that are in the trophy room, like, I don't know, the, the loving cup, for example, that probably always should, should stay in the trophy room. You could argue, but actually if you could walk, walk around Ibrox and there's a, there's even in the hospitality lounges, we found that you know, a couple of weeks ago, there was this, um, you know, the first ever season book is, is behind one of the doors hung up in, in a hospitality lounge. You know, that, that should be a, a centerpiece for all supporters to be able to see as part of the story of this club. So um, I, th I think it's one where we've got great potential. But as, as, you, as you rightly say, Cammy, we need to navigate this in the right way so that we, we strike the right notes in terms of what that experience is going to be.
And you mentioned as well, James, that when we were talking about obviously the the, the kind of foot, the footfall on, on match days and, and as you say the dwell time, I think a big a big part of that just now, as you say, the, the huge gap that's there that we're looking to try and fill is bringing supporters over early, bringing them over to to the the, the stadium and the surrounding areas, um, being able to try and get people to spend a bit more time there because I think by and large most supporters will travel by you know, their, their usual methods of transport in order to get there for kickoff and then pretty much leave shortly thereafter. Whereas we're obviously looking to try and get people to, to come early and stay later. Um, in terms of overall uh, development around that, have you had any further uh, developments regarding the, the the pitch opposite Ibrox for the, the Ibrox complex? Yes, yeah, that, that's also part of these conversations uh, and that's been led actually by our charity foundation initially because I think we we see that as a, as a real home and a real hub for them to 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 continue a lot of the the fantastic work and development programs they do within within the community but you know one, once we kind of made that I suppose a more formal arrangement we we absolutely see that you know the the, the pitch there and when you then think kind of Edmiston House on, on the other side of the road and even Edmiston Drive and kind of creating a space there where supporters want to come early. They want to have a drink, have some entertainment, just, just be in and around with friends that they might not sit next to, you know, within the, with their, with their season tickets. So you're absolutely right. Increasing that dwell time and giving people a reason to come early and stay later and, and really have a, a full day experience outside of that 90 minutes. We don't want people coming in at 2.59 and then leaving, you know, before the final whistle to, to get the subway or, or, or whatever they feel that they must do. We want to create a reason for, for people to stay. And I think that that's informing a lot of our strategy now around all of the infrastructure developments that, that, that we're talking about. And within the stadium, obviously, you touched on there, uh, the ongoing development of the Blue Sky Lounge and the Bar 72 upgrade to Club 72. I know that um, you, you'd spoken within the last few months that there was a couple of uh, architect designers involved within that and 442 and, and Kepi as well. So, as is my understanding, what we're looking to be able to try and do is almost remove the kind of, uh, you know, the, the kind of group boxes out of those areas and be able to really expand it. And that way, we're already starting to drive up the overall attendance figures. So, it's a good way to be able to try and, and not only generate more revenue coming into the stadium, but also more headcount as well. Absolutely. Yeah, that's one of the beauties of the Blue Sky Lounge project, because the the space that we achieve by uh, knocking through the boxes and putting the the glass in the manner that we we have allows us to actually increase the capacity of the stadium only by a few hundred or so. But you know when we've got the the the, the desire from season ticket holders and that waiting list that, that we've got that's continuing to grow now through through MyJers membership, then you know every every few hundred extra seats really really counts. So now that 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 project is. Um, I think, as I said, one that we wanted to un unveil and begin this summer, but it's it's firmly in uh, in place for, for for next summer. And we've already had a lot of interest from existing hospitality clients and actually some potential new hospitality clients that want to be uh, some of the first to, to to enjoy that space. Yeah, and I think um, obviously the hospitality is massive for us as well. But I think that the aim, the overall aim of this, is to be able to try and bring in. Uh, maybe just a, a, a you know a, a season ticket holder who wants to come in and, and still enjoy that kind of experience because right now anyone who's ever had the opportunity to enjoy hospitality you know very few clubs do it better than Rangers. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely agreed. And I, I think what we, what we want to do with when I when I talk about hospitality as well, it's it's have a, a, a full range of options. So hospitality doesn't have to be 
the fine dining, sit down with the white tablecloth and the suit and the tie, which you know is is, is an important part of our history and range of standards, and we'll we'll never step back from that. But we also understand that there are different tastes and actually probably evolving tastes when it comes to premium match day experiences. And I think in enhancing bar 72 to club 72, as we'll do for the 150th year, we were quite mindful and aware that we were perhaps stepping away from a more casual sports bar type of experience. And I think we, we now see an opportunity where the new retail store will um, will be uh, will be built in, in in the next few weeks and months with with Castor. When that moves into Edmiston House, as it will in March 2022, we see an opportunity within that space to create something a little bit more informal, a bit a little bit more casual, so that you know if if a supporter doesn't want to do the formal hospitality experience, they can come in and have a couple of beers, see their mates, watch watch some games on on the big screen, and and still uh, and still still enjoy the game at, at, at that kind of level. One of the things also just wanted to ask you, just as, as we're talking about the stadium as well, was obviously um, a couple of years ago there was a, uh, an attempt to be able to try and do a memorial garden or tribute area uh, in the stadium to obviously those that we've lost. Um, and, and obviously that wasn't successful, but has that been incorporated into, into the plans for some of the stadium development and, and, and area redevelopment? Yeah, it has. So... You know, when we talk about all the different anniversaries that, that this club has to celebrate and you know, the 150th uh, and, of course, 50 years since winning the European Cup Winners' Cup in Barcelona will be another one that we, 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 we create some exciting plans around. There's, there's of course, the, the 50th anniversary of the Ibrox disaster, uh, which will be on the 2nd of January 2021 and, you know, 50 years since 66 Rangers fans um, never went home from a game and, you know, making sure that we do something uh, appropriate on that day that those those supporters uh, will always be remembered and um, outside of that but in parallel to that Cammy, there's, there's also plans that we're, we're looking at that, that uh, Stuart Robertson is, is you know in, in, in incorporating alongside John Gregg with his feedback as well that so we have an area of reflection or or an appropriate uh, garden uh, within the stadium that, that 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 allows us to remember um, some of some of the lost Rangers supporters over the years. No, f- fabulous because I know it's it's uh, obviously a, a part of the development. It's very close to to a lot of the the, the hearts of the fans. Um, James, can I moving on in terms of obviously uh, we mentioned beforehand regarding the digital platforms last week. Uh, Rangers obviously announced a, a partnership with Dugout. Um, can you tell me a bit more around that in terms of where you see that from your aspect? Yeah, Dugout's an interesting one. So they they obviously are quite well established and work with a number of top tier clubs uh, from a digital content perspective. And what, what this one really allows us to do is probably to uh, post out and push out Rangers content to new supporters that we not we might not be able to ordinarily reach. So I think we are pretty confident in that our, you know, our Rangers TV and our social media platforms and with, you know, the likes of yourself, heart and hand and the, the fan media, we've, we've got a really good touch point to reach our core supporters. But actually, Dugout have got uh, global publishing relationships with football platforms all across the world. So the benefits of that are, are probably two prongs. It allows us to give visibility to the Rangers brand, uh, to, to a new audience. And internationally, that, that fits with our strategy. But equally, every time that Rangers content is consumed through a, dub, a Dugout platform, um, the club gets paid for that. So there's... 
you know, as you'll be well aware, you guys are in the space from a digital media perspective. Every time a video is watched, there's advertising revenues that that throw back uh, that flow back rather to um, uh, to, to to the rights holders. In this case, that that's us. So that they're great as well because they've got a content team, so they'll work with our content team to make sure that we're creating really innovative content that that goes out on our social platforms but it has benefits that are commercial so it drives extra revenues for the club but also allows us to to reach a new audience so it's it's an interesting partnership for us that one um, dugout but i think we we're also looking ourselves to grow our own digital infrastructure i've spoken about the website but we we even look at kind of new media platforms so we've now got a presence on tiktok for example and that's probably allowing us to engage with the next generation of, of, of Rangers supporter. And that one's been been really successful for us in terms of some of the engagement there. And if we are to be serious with our Asian ambitions, we, we're looking at options to have a, a presence on WeChat, which is the, the kind of predominant platform out in, in China run by Tencent and have localized content. So uh, no, th- th- this is uh, probably one of several wider digital partnerships that we'll be looking to to enter into in the in the coming months um and obviously um with everything which is happening at the moment obviously we we as you said i've got the uh the players back into training today we at time of recording are looking at a potential start date for season um 2020 2021 for the first of august the likelihood is um, that still exercising social distancing measures, that a lot of that will be behind closed doors. Um, how are you finding the preparations for being able to try and look at um, potential streaming services? And, and obviously for season ticket holders, what that will, will, will kind of blend into in terms of trying to recreate that, that match day experience? Yeah, so... A couple of th- couple of things on that camera. So f- first of all, everything that we're working towards at the moment from a, a match day operational perspective is how do we get supporters back in the stadium as quickly and as safely as possible. Uh, and I think you look at different press reports and you know some that even say oh there won't be supporters in in, in a football stadium in, in the UK until uh, early 21. We we don't believe that's the case and that we are still moving through a pandemic and the situation is fragile, but. We believe from our conversations with the SPFL, with, with the SFA and the other clubs that from very early on in the season that will start, as you said, as you said, at that first weekend in August, we will have a gradual increase of supporters in the stadium until the point we're back at full capacity. And I would I would estimate, but please don't hold me to this, that you know, we'll be moving through that process from August until until the end of the year, until we're back at full capacity. And also engaging with some of our counterparts across Europe. So uh, the European Leagues Association, we're aware that they've got plans for from almost half of the leagues in Europe to have a phased return from August. A number of leagues are also uh, are already rather with, with supporters in the state. I think Poland and Russia and others to follow. And I think the, the English Premier League are looking at September when they start their their new season to have to have supporters in the stadium. So um, anything that we do in terms of virtual match passes is is temporary. But at the same time, you know, we we we're realistic that there's a high likelihood that there will be a scenario here where we've got season ticket holders that have paid for a uh, a season ticket, have paid for a seat at Ibrox, and for a number of games, we don't know how many games. We hope it's as, as small as possible. We're going to have to deliver a replacement experience which we're kind of calling this virtual match pass um and i think it's been well documented in terms of how sky i think have been fantastic as a partner for 
for for for the, for the SPFL and the Premiership in terms of allowing clubs to stream games and giving them back to a degree um, the UK rights, and and that will mean that for every season ticket holder for every single game that's at Ibrox, whether it's on Sky or not, you will have access to that game through through Rangers TV, uh, which which is really really important. And I suppose as a club, we're to a degree fortunate that all of our away games, um, or the majority of our away games, are picked up by but by Sky anyway. So what what this then leads us to focus on, and this is where we're spending a lot of time in the last few weeks, is enhancing that Rangers TV experience on on a match day perspective. So we are looking at how do we take the current production level to a five-star production level, something that you would experience if you watched a BT Sport or a Sky Sports game, you know, making sure that we've got a, a proper pre-match show, a halftime show, a post-match show we're already talking to a number of well-known uh, established football pundits and, and rangers personalities to come in and join that rangers tv team and at the same time trying to be innovative in our, in our coverage because we can enable access uh, at our own home like uh, nobody else can and, and that we might not enable to to another broadcaster so we're looking at ways within the parameters of social distancing of course but we're looking at way, ways to create a really compelling experience for a season ticket holder. So when they get that unique access code, they log into RTV for that first match day uh, early in August that they will feel as close as they possibly can to being at the stadium without without physically being there. So we'll we'll provide a communication on that in the next few weeks. Um, but it's, it's an area where we're focusing a lot of time, effort, resource uh, and also investment uh, at the moment. Yeah, because I think that that's that's obviously the big challenge. Because now all of a sudden you've got to kind of do the, the the broadcast medium, which which typically Rangers TV has done well um, previously. But it's really kind of got to step up a notch if it's the case that it's going to be, I suppose, the kind of go to source for a lot of the the season ticket holders who, by and large, on a Saturday afternoon would be sitting in the stadium. Um, do you think that that's going to be something which, given the timeline, we're going to be able to try and get in place? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I don't, and I don't see any reason why not. And as, as I said, some of the some of the aspects of that that I've just touched upon there are already uh, advanced from a, from a planning stage. Uh, but I've got another meeting on this uh, very topic that, this afternoon with with uh, David Melvin, who heads up the the Rangers TV team. And there are suppliers that we work with that are already, uh, I think, well placed to support us. But we're also bringing our own expertise and our own ideas to that. So. Uh, absolutely. In terms of our aspirations, there we've we've set the bar high, um, and we uh, we have every intention of, of achieving that. Uh, James, listen, thank you very much uh, for all your time. In terms of obviously those those subjects, there's obviously a lot of them very uh, very important and critical to the hearts of of Rangers supporters um, near and far. One of the things I, I just kind of wanted to finish up on, um, because I know that as part of your initial remit coming into the club, was being able to try and bring in some more of that kind of fan engagement, how to be able to try and move things on to the next level, uh, thinking outside of Scotland and obviously far more globally. Um, you've mentioned in, in previous interviews, obviously, the, the relationship with NARSA, with ORSA. In terms of... Um, the fan communication aspect of it. How do you find the role within such as, uh, you know, platforms such as ourselves here at Heart and Hand? We've obviously got some very, very fortunate uh, alternative outlets as well in terms of uh, online blogging. We've got guys at Four Lads Had a Dream. We've got uh, football forums such as Marks and Follow Follow. Numerous yep. other ones as well. How do you see that relationship developing? Is that is that something which you're keen to be able to try and promote? 
it, it absolutely is. Uh, and this is something that um, I think David Graham, who's come in to head up the, the, the comms and the media relations at the club, has been uh, been, been very instrumental in, in kind of helping us see the, the benefits in this. And I think from the club's perspective, certainly from, from, from my perspective, and I know this view is shared by you know, Stuart Robertson and Ross Wilson, we, we want to have communication and open dialogue with, with, with supporters. And we've done the, the fan forums and, and, and the kind of the, the, the focus groups and things at Ibrox, but fan media, we feel, is an authentic and actually quite a, a powerful way to, to reach supporters. So as you said, Cameron, the likes of yourselves, Follow, 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 Four Lads Had a Dream, uh, all very influential uh, in the way that they can engage with the audience. So I think the club wants to be embedded into that dialogue. And I think, you know, when we look at the wider media landscape, if we want to get a message out to our supporters, I think more and more our first port of call will be the, the Rangers fan media. Uh, and, and I think you guys are pushing boundaries as well in the way that you're you're, you're communicating and then the platforms that you, you put yourselves out on. So I think we're, we're fortunate to have that relationships, uh, have those relationships, sorry. And I think they're ones that we're going to want to foster, particularly when we get back to, to playing football and making sure that we give the right level of access and, and, and just keep a, a constant dialogue. And I'd be delighted to come on at regular intervals. And I know the rest of our team would as well. And just make sure that we keep communication very open, because especially for some of these key projects like the 150th year and what we're doing at iBox in terms of match day experience, it needs to be a two-way dialogue. And I think engaging with fan media gives us the perfect platform to, to, to do that. Well, listen, absolutely. I'll, I'll hold you to that in terms of being able to try and come back on. And, and it's been great to, to be able to chat through that and stuff as well. I think if I can, uh, on behalf of all the Rangers fans, um, we're so, so pleased that all of the improvements and the designs that you've been able to come in with, it's really, really exciting times. And to have someone of your calibre being able to spearhead that, um, I think we're going to see some some great things in and around the stadium that will last a very, very long time. So um, sincerely, thank you very much for not only your time today, but all your efforts so far in the role. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. And, and as you said, Cam, exciting times ahead. Uh, and, and I think uh, I think the, the best is yet to come. So thanks for having me on and uh, hope, to, hope to speak to you again soon. Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.